Thanks for clicking play on the latest episode of the Iowa Revolution podcast. I'm Spencer Dirks alongside my buddy, Dr. Bob Leonard. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm not calling it X. I don't care what you say, Dr. Bob. You can follow us on Twitter. We're at Iowa Revolution. If you have any questions, comments, telling us to talk about something or not talk about something, email us iowarevolutionpod at gmail.com. Dr. Bob, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. What have you been up to? I don't get to see every day anymore. Oh, busy, busy, busy. I know for sure a couple different things. You were at an event in Pella that you were just telling me about that I didn't know about. You want to just go ahead and kind of explain that event? Well, yeah, world-renowned trans author was there, poet. A pretty remarkable woman came and shared with about 35 people just her story, and it was really interesting and I got an interview I'm going to drop down on deep Midwest politics and culture probably later this week. Of course at being Pella there was a uh, a bit of a protest. There was uh, you know a few people outside. There was one person just really trying to bully some young woman walking by with scripture. You know you just keep yelling scripture at people that's really going to help. Right. Another person was just, you know, praying and going on and on, just standing out in the middle of nowhere, praying out loud about and whatever. What, what was her name, this trans Diana, activist? Diana Getch. And she's just, you know, really good. Um, she's a former school teacher and a very powerful message. Just no-nonsense person, compelling, fun. Uh, then they... Uh, some of the protesters, some of the people were people I know and, you know, one friend. And uh, some of the protesters came inside, but they weren't allowed to film or do video and uh, Facebook Live. And that just sort of took all the wind out of their sails. It's no, they, and then they just left because they weren't interested in hearing what she had to say. They just wanted to amplify the outrage. But when you can't really verbalize your outrage as much as troll somebody. It's a lot easier to troll somebody than to actually make a valuable comment, but they ended up just wandering off because they didn't they didn't want to hear what she had to say. So then it was that was fine, but it was was very, very good. You were also at an event that we'll talk about later on in the show during a croc talk segment. Ron DeSantis was in South Central Iowa in Oskaloosa recently, so we'll talk about that. We've just gotten a report from Annie's Foundation. This came through Urbandale Schools about the list of banned books for this upcoming school year because that bill, Senate file, help me out, 496 or something like that. That's the bill that does ban books. They say age-appropriate materials in the bill itself. That's also the same bill where they outlawed being able to teach kids about gender identity and sexual orientation. So we'll talk about some of those books and what it might mean for our schools. Of course, we'll talk about Ron DeSantis, not only being in Oskaloosa, but also just being a weirdo. Uh, The Lincoln Dinner was held last week, Friday night, I think, in Des Moines, uh, the Iowa GOP Lincoln Dinner. So we'll talk about whatever fallout there may be from that. And also Moms for Liberty, one of our favorite groups, um, is yet again being fascist. Uh, Mitch McConnell... (laughs) <laughs> Should so, we just stop for 30 seconds right now and just time that out for how long he did 
didn't talk and just froze. It was a long time. It was. It was about 30 seconds, I think. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen actually varying reports. I, I need to just do it myself, but I've seen every, anywhere from 19 to 30 seconds. So it's in that time frame. And it would have been longer if somebody hadn't have gone up there and basically yeah. grabbed him by the yeah. arm. I mean, he was just... Yeah, frozen. So we'll Total talk. brain silence. So we'll talk about that and then also just all of our representatives and senators are old. Mitch McConnell is a symptom of an issue that I think is a pretty major issue for our country. And also aliens. Are aliens real, Dr. Bob? I don't know. I think we should call them non-humans. Well, that's what this guy, this guy that testified in front of the, the Congress... He calls them non-human. So, you know what theory I've heard just today is what if aliens are just us from the future? Maybe we off-boarded and left this planet and now the aliens are coming back just to be tourists maybe, you know? Right, watch and laugh at us. Right. Just look at these idiots. Yeah. Uh, And I was going to do top five candy bars this week. If you listened last week, you know that Dr. Bob could care less about sugary candy, doesn't know what Werther's Originals are. So I figured top five candy bars is probably not going to be very interesting either. So I, I would have tried. We might do that at some point, but I didn't want to go two weeks in a row where you're just like, meh, meh, <laughs> don't care, don't know. So I did top five late night show hosts this week. I'm guessing you're familiar with most, if not all, of the names on this list. I am. And we'll see whether or not you agree with me. So let's get it started. Mentioned Annie's Foundation. This is from KCCI TV. Iowans are getting an idea of what kinds of books are being banned in classrooms and libraries. Annie's Foundation is a group that wants to ensure communities have access to all books. So they're on our side. The group recently published a list of books in the Urbandale Community School District that are believed to violate Iowa's new education bill. The law is meant to prohibit books with certain sexual content. Among the banned books are titles such as Gender Queer, Lawn Boy, 1984, Irony, also A Brave New World is also banned, and Catcher in the Rye. According to a post from Annie's Foundation on Facebook, there are 385 banned books on the list that was provided to Urbandale teachers and librarians. The Urbandale Community School District said in a statement, quote, We had to take a fairly broad interpretation of the law, knowing that if our interpretation was too finite, our teachers and administrators could be faced with disciplinary actions according to the new law. The education law that took effect on July 1st, uh, but penalties for educators who keep the books in their classrooms or school libraries will not take effect until January 1st of 2024. So still only three or so months after school starts. It's fascism. Yeah. Total fascism. And I want to mention a few other books. I mean, there's 385, so I don't want to mention, obviously, all of them. But I mentioned A Brave New World, um, Toni Morrison's The Bluest Eye, Native Son by Richard Wright, Kite Runner. A brilliant book. All of these are great books. Catch-22 is on that list of banned books. The Perks of Being a Wallflower, Paper Towns. John Green's The Fault in Our Stars, As I Lay Dying by Hemingway. And obviously the list goes on and on. Well, the fact of the matter is, if they cared about sexual content, they would ban the phone. It's ban phones. I mean, it's everything that you can find and more. No, much, much more than is in the library you can find on your cell phone. So the fact of the matter is, 
no matter what they say, they don't care about the content of the books. It's about power, control, and ultimately disruption and undermining the credibility of our public schools and general government. So don't believe what they say. It's not about the sexual content. It's a it's about control. It's also about diminishing and trying to make some people vanish. They want trans and, and uh, gay people to just disappear off the face of the earth. They're erase, trying to erase them. And then minorities, too. My God, Toni Morrison, you know, um, the color purple. Getting rid of the color purple, yeah. you know, that's just Native ridiculous. son, Richard Wright. Yeah. And so, I'm sure there's many more that... We just couldn't list off. So, I mean, it, it comes to, yeah, I mean, we can talk about it all you want. We can talk about the merits of the individual books if you want. But the fact of the matter is <laughs> it's fascism and it's not about what they say it is. It's about disruption and erasure. I did want to mention, too, they talked to an Urbandale student, uh, 17-year-old, so a junior or maybe a senior-to-be. And she said they're taking these sexual descriptions out of context there's obviously a lot of books when you when i when i name the books that i've just read i don't think or the first thing that comes to people's brains is oh that's a sexual book there's maybe some sex scenes in those books but it's not the meat of the book no it's not and like but you said it really doesn't matter talking about whether or not a book has a sexual scene or not. They're just going to ban whatever books go against their ideology. The sad part of this is there are people in our community, nice people, our friends, neighbors, family, that some of them think, well, you know, they've got a good point. Maybe some of this stuff shouldn't be in our schools. They're missing the point. It's fascism. And they're acting, they think, people think, good friends, neighbors, Republicans, some Democrats, whatever, they're, they think it's still 2015. It's not 2015. Wake up. This is fascism. By the way, we're recording this in a library. We're at the Knoxville Public Library. Proud to be doing this in the Knoxville Public Library. And I think we'll kind of move on. That was Iowa Coast to Coast. Any other Iowa news that you wanted to bring up? Some of the stuff that we'll talk about later on yeah. is certainly about Iowa. But anything else you wanted to discuss? Ragbri is over, and I don't think anybody died, which is good. Hallelujah. That heat. I assume that there would be many people that would have succumbed to the heat last week, but apparently oh, it was. One thing that we should mention is Adrian Dickey, who's from Pekin and a Republican legislator. Yeah, got arrested. Got arrested for, you know, not doing what law enforcement said, the law and order part. Well, we know they're not the law and order party anymore after Trump, but he was arrested for, there was some kind of a big hubbub and people not moving out of the way. And he was basically, they were he, partying in the middle of the highway. Well, yeah. he's saying he wasn't one of the partiers. It doesn't matter. You move out of the way. Yeah. Well, the fact of the matter is, and I don't think anybody's published this yet, but of course, what do I do when I see that somebody, and plus I wouldn't even have done this, but I've been to a lot of eggs and issues forums in Oskaloosa, and he's totally rude to his constituents, totally rude to his constituents. He's got a 
you know, he's a handsome enough guy and he's got this nice smile that turns into a snarl before you know it and just so disrespectful of his constituents. I can hardly stand it. So what am I going to do? What am I going to do? This guy was arrested. What do you think the old news guy is going to do? Start investigating. Start finding out exactly what happened. Go to the Iowa State Patrol because I'm guessing that was the arresting agency. Well, it was, yeah, it was a local Fort Dodge or I forget exactly what town it happened in. Um, it was the local. It would be around there because I think it was on like the third day. So they'd be around central Iowa. They, I think they went from Fort Dodge to Ames during that trip. So so I do start investigating. The first place I go to Iowa Courts, is Iowa Courts Online. And he has absolute disregard for traffic laws in general. Surprise, he has surprise. nearly 20 tickets. I don't know how he can drive. Yeah. And he can say, well, you know, those were when I was a kid. Well, no, he wasn't a kid in 2019 where he got three tickets. He has reckless behavior. And if you talk with law enforcement and you have a teenager and young person doing all this reckless behavior, it's signaling something else. He's also have his daughter is suing him for something that's too long for us to go into. But <laughs> his daughter doesn't even like him. So, I mean, here is this law and order guy just defying police. You know, that's not surprising given his other reckless behavior. And he told the police to arrest him, too. Yeah, yeah. Tough guy. Yeah. Go ahead and arrest me. Yeah, and so I don't think anybody's reported about this. Uh, Laura Bell and Dave Price, they've done some, you know, really good work. Somebody at the Gazette, too. I forget who. But anyway, there's good reporting, but nobody has reported that part of it yet. That he's basically a scoff law to begin yeah, with. Yeah, absolutely. Privileged. Right. Yeah. Let's get on to some cock talk. There's a lot to get to. So Ron DeSantis is attempting to reset his campaign after a rocky start, holding smaller events and getting closer to voters. This is from NBC News. At a coffee shop in Oskaloosa on Friday, he began his remarks with some sharp zingers against Biden and a tight section on economic conditions. But he then spoke at length about destroying, quote, woke culture and defending the Florida Board of Education's decision to approve a black history curriculum that said middle school students should learn about the, quote, personal benefits slaves receive from learning trades. And there were signs that the campaign's focus on retail politics, on showing that DeSantis can connect with people outside his bubble, eluded the candidate at times. A 15-year-old at the Oskaloosa coffee shop asked about military service restrictions on people with mental health disorders, a topic right in line with the DeSantis campaign's desire to highlight his military expertise. This is from the teen asking about DeSantis and the uh, mental health disorders. Quote, I can't legally vote, the teen said, but I struggle with major depressive disorder. DeSantis interrupted the teen with a rejoinder, it's never stopped the other party from not letting you vote. After letting the youngster finish, DeSantis swung back around to acknowledge that he wasn't sure what restrictions might be in place and stressing that such rules are made with, quote, whatever is best for the unit in mind. Yeah, I was there. I saw it. It's, yeah. I don't even really know what that means. Is he saying that, I mean, is he... Oh, it's, it's more the voter fraud allegations. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's just get, ridiculous. This is the same kind of thing. Which is odd, too, because when you're running against Trump, why would you want to bring something like that up? Well, I wouldn't want to attach myself to Trump and election fraud. You know, he's just, he's just projecting onto Democrats what the Republicans are actually doing. As far as I know, the only people the election fraud was minor, and most of the people that have been convicted at at uh, for election fraud voting when they couldn't were in uh, you know I guess Trump's district in Mar-a-Lago <laughs> right. Republicans. Right. Yeah. So it's ridiculous. It's projection. 
One of the things, too, is I wonder if he wasn't getting very big crowds. I know you had seen him several months ago when he was first starting off his campaign and were pretty, I guess, taken aback by how much people reacted to him. He had pretty good crowds. A lot oh, of people for a showing thousand. up. Yeah. And now they're doing these smaller, quote, retail politics things. But is that just to make make it seem like if you're not getting big crowds, then that's not what you want? It seems like a political game almost where we're resetting to do this when retail politics is not his strong point. Would you, did you see, I think it was at maybe the Clark County Fair, some Southern Iowa fair that he was campaigning at and he was walking around meeting people and he runs into a kid drinking icy didn't even know what it was. He asked the kid, what is that? And the kid said, oh, it's an icy. He said, that's a lot of sugar in that, isn't it? <laughs> Did you see that? No, I didn't. And it's like... Yeah, he's coming after, a, after so, <laughs> kids' drinks. Right. It's so... He's, he's just so awkward. Yeah. And I just don't see him being the second choice as he's, much as he was even, you know, a few weeks ago. I think that's a media narrative. I mean, I just think that... We see those kinds of things, but this is my third DeSantis event I've been at, and the crowd loves him. It's you know they just love him, it's, and so the media is you know I think that the media has their expectations, and he's not as good as other people. But I will say he's getting better, and he's more relatable to the Republicans. It's just like. They enjoy his meanness. They enjoy his vulgarity, not vulgarity, um, what do I want to say? Obnoxiousness, his disrespect, not vulgarity, but his disrespect for people. They they love that and they're used to it from Trump and they think it's funny and yuck, yuck. And, but anyway, he's, the people love him. They just love him. And so I don't know what to say other than, I guess the polls say a lot, but not unless it's an Iowa poll. But he's still, what, 30 points down the last poll that I saw, 46 to 16. Donald Trump was leading DeSantis. Nobody else was really over 5%. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, he's always going to get that strong base, but the Iowans, Iowa leadership do not want him. Yeah. Nobody I know amongst my Republican friends that, you know, I'll just say are old-fashioned pre-MAGA Republicans. They don't want him. Some of the MAGA Republicans like him, but they still don't want him. They don't think he can win. So believe it or not, I had a meeting with a couple of ambassadors a couple months ago, and they were told by a high-ranking, I don't want to say who, I don't want to betray the, you know, their trust with me, but they were told by a, an elected official at the highest level that Trump will not be the nominee. So I don't know what's happening amongst all the big Republicans, but, uh, you know, that's what they're saying. I don't know. And we'll see what happens. We'll just see some of these court cases. We'll see once all of his acolytes start falling. And, and, and all the pe one of the things that we need to remind people is all the people turning on him are Republicans. Mm -hmm. Christopher Wray, the FBI, was a Trump appointee. Lots of the judges are Trump appointees. There's no way is this a, a weaponized Justice Department. It's not. And there is a two-tiered standard of justice. Trump is getting away with things that other people wouldn't. And, and it's going to stop. It's going to catch up to him. 
So speaking of, the Iowa Republican Party's Lincoln Dinner was held in Des Moines this past Friday. The only candidate to really go after Trump was former Texas Representative Will Hurd. He was booed off the stage after he said, quote, Donald Trump is not running for president to make America great again. Donald Trump is running to stay out of prison, end quote. Uh, Ron DeSantis didn't mention Trump or even really go after him at all, saying, quote, we need to focus the election on Joe Biden's failures and our positive vision for the future. If we're litigating things from four or five years ago, Republicans are going to lose. And he's right about that. And so, yeah, Will Hurd was really the only person he was. There was nothing but booze when he said that, saying that he's just doing this to keep himself out of prison. Well, that's why he declared that he was running for president. Right. He's Yeah, he's as much as said it. Yeah. Yeah, that's not... And the only other person really, and, and we've talked about him previously, it's a guy that really has no shot at being the candidate, but Asa Hutchinson has continued his line of attacks on Trump's, and it's just along those lines, basically saying the same thing without exactly saying it, that he's running to keep himself out of prison or for whatever vanity reasons. It's not to, quote-unquote, make America great again. Not that it ever actually was, either. It's always just about him. Yeah. No, and we'll see when people start turning. They all need to turn. They all need to turn right now if they want any chance. And it is good that at least there are some candidates in the race already, and Chris Christie also is not afraid to go after Trump, although he's not the perfect messenger because he worked for Trump and was probably trying to get himself a vice presidential seat or whatever. So it's like Trump does have a very easy way to get back at him and just say, you used to work for me. So yeah. how are you really going to go after me now? So continuing on a little bit of cock talk, I know President Joe Biden only has RFK Jr. to worry about at this point, but Joe Biden did recently tweet, mental health care is health care. That's why I'm proud to have released a new national strategy to transform how we understand and address mental health in America, training more providers, improving access to care, and building healthy environments that promote mental health. Moms for Liberty, group that's behind banning books and not teaching gender identity, sexual orientation, they're fascists, they're racists. They, they don't care about our kids, otherwise they'd be doing something about gun violence. Well, that's the thing. That's what I really want to get to. So Moms for Liberty then retweeted that tweet from Joe Biden and said, Mental health care is health care, Mr. President. That's why it has no place in public schools. Hashtag parental rights. Parents have rights. They just set up this false thing. They have rights. We talked, you know... There's, you there can go is, to school anytime you want it. There is also health care in schools. Right. There has to There's, be. There has to be. There's school nurses. Obviously, kids have to take meds throughout the day, so there has to be somebody there to administer And there those. are mandatory reporters of child abuse. Right. So. And kids take health classes. I mean, it's just a dumb fucking tweet. Yeah. And then they double Disruption. Down on it. They just disruption. Right. That's what they want to do. And they're getting, I mean, obviously we're talking about it, so it gets their name in the media again for, quote-unquote, fighting for parental rights. But that's what I really wanted to get to, though. The Republicans always talk about how school shootings, mass shootings in general, are a mental health issue, not a gun issue. Well, now President Biden is saying, well, let's try to do something about that. 
and Moms for Liberty are standing in the way saying, no, we can't do that, but also let's give all the kids all the guns too and give teachers guns and the principal guns and everybody can have guns and that way we'll be much, much safer if everybody had a gun. Right. No, it's just crazy. I I don't even really know what to say. If we were, you know, if you were, if 10 years ago you wrote this in a novel, people would have said, oh, that's too far-fetched. It'll never happen. Well, Moms for Liberty, what a misnomer. Yeah. But that's what they do. They appropriate all of these things, you know, patriotism, love of the country, freedom caucus, freedom, and, yeah, right. Christianity, when they're none of those things. Yeah. No, they're, they're, they're for money Christian, and power. Yeah, their Christianity bears no relationship to my Sunday And sexism and racism, yeah. et cetera. So moving on from cock talk, let's take a little bit of a wider scope, even though we're still talking politics, talking about Mitch McConnell. This is from CNN. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell told reporters that he's, quote, fine after freezing during a news conference on Wednesday. This is a week ago Wednesday. McConnell, a Kentucky Republican, stopped speaking in the middle of remarks at his regularly scheduled weekly news conference on Capitol Hill. After a 30-second pause, his colleagues crowded around to see if he was okay and asked him how he felt. GOP Senator John Barrasso of Wyoming was seen gripping McConnell's arm and whispered to him, quote, Hey Mitch, anything else you want to say, or should we just go back to your office? Do you want to say anything else to the press? End quote. He said nothing and was led away from the press conference and toward his office by an aide. He returned to the news conference a few minutes later. McConnell asked by CNN what happened and if it is related to his fall earlier this year, said, quote, No, I'm fine, and then moved on to other reporters. A McConnell aide said that the senator, quote, felt lightheaded and stepped away for a moment. He came back to handle Q&A, which, as everyone observed, was sharp. McConnell, age 81, has faced questions over his health after suffering a concussion and broken ribs from a fall he endured earlier this year. He was hospitalized and forced to go to rehab for several weeks before returning to the Senate this past spring. Yeah, well, (laughs) it's just amazing to me that that the power must be so intoxicating that even when you're, you know, when you know that you're failing, you can't let go. Yeah. He knows he's failing. He knows the end is nigh, but he's still got <laughs> his claws into his position. Oh, yeah, he will die in office. There is no way Mitch McConnell will ever retire from that seat. He will either get beaten out of that seat, which is highly unlikely, or he will die on the Senate floor. He is that addicted to power. That's all he's ever cared about. He's not even real. The only reason he's a Republican is because that's how he could get elected in Kentucky. If he had been born in California, he'd be a Democrat. He's just one of those guys. Yeah. You know, there's so many. I mean, Dianne Feinstein is the same kind of thing. I was going to bring her up. Did you see the vote on that defense bill? And she was talking about the bill explaining why she was going to vote the way that she was going to, and it was just asking for a vote. So there was just repeated calls from people that were sitting around her in the Senate, just say aye. Yeah. All you have to do is say aye. Just say aye. And she still kind of rambled on for a while. I mean, it's like she didn't really know where she was. And we've seen that time and time again since she's returned to the Senate after being mysteriously missing for however long. Yeah, and we lost a lot of judges to be appointed there when she was doing that. Yeah, and she's a Democrat, we should say. Oh, yeah. She needs to go, too. Yeah. Well, yeah, that leads me to my next point. The average age of the Senate is 64 years old, so one year shy of retirement age in the U.S. 
34 senators, so a full one-third of senators, are 70 years old or older. Chuck Grassley is tied with Dianne Feinstein as the oldest senator at 89 years old. Joni Ernst is actually one of the younger senators at 52 years old. The average age in the U.S. House of Representatives is 57 years old. 65% of the Senate is from the baby boomer generation. So as our resident old person, your thoughts? Whenever I can, you know, I really try to elevate younger people. I want to hear what they have to say. I think they deserve a voice at the table. I mean, I stepped off the library board in Knoxville because a younger person wanted to be in it. And so a younger person with kids in school. So I don't know. I'm not, I'm just saying that's what I think a lot of, I think we should be mentoring and uh, teaching people from our mistakes. But I, I'm at the stage where I'm, I enjoyed this for a long time, opening doors for young people. I've, you know, been a teacher and professor and all that stuff. And so I don't know. It's just, but I don't, it's not, I've never been in a position where I wanted to cling to power. I've never been near power. So I guess it's different. It's intoxicating. So should we, I mean, it's never going to happen because they'd have to pass it themselves. But I mean, should there be an age limit for public office? I don't think it's doing anybody any good once you get past when you have diminished mental capabilities. I don't think these, I mean, there are reasons that they have sheriffs retire. You can't hold, you can't be a sheriff after what, 70 or 65 because you have to be able to use a firearm and there, there is an age limit for sheriffs and maybe we need an age limit. How about term limits? Well, I mean. Grassley always tells me there are term limits. People could just vote me out of office. So. I mean, that's a pie-in-the-sky thing. I right. mean, running against a guy that's been in the Senate for 30-some years. Yeah, no. It's I impossible don't. to beat him. Yeah, no, term limits would be back to more what the founders wanted with a citizen's you know, legislature. And yeah, they really basically pretty much said a one term is what they mm-hmm. wanted. You know, you go and you do your public service, and then you go back to the farm or to the shop or wherever you came yeah, from. Right. Now, I have mixed feelings on it. Both Biden and Trump are too old. Well, that's the other thing, too. I mean, we're probably going to have two upper 70s to low 80s guys running against each other for president again. Yeah. Which is not what anybody wants. No. I'm, I mean... I don't think either Trump or Biden has very high approval ratings or likability ratings. I saw that DeSantis actually had higher uh, likability ratings than Donald Trump did, which I thought was wow. pretty crazy. Surprising. I think he had DeSantis had 45% to Trump was 37, 39%, something like that in likability. But we just need you baby boomers to get the hell out of the fucking way. I think that's a good idea. Which you have, by the way. I don't mean you. You actually are retired, even right. though you are still doing stuff, but you have paved the way for other people to do the job that you've done. Yeah, but I don't know. It's up to individuals, although I think sheriffs and guns are good. That's a good sort of model. I mean... Well, remember, I mean, yeah, sheriffs have guns, but the Congress, the Senate, has fucking bombs. Right. So this isn't just, I mean, it's... Still a very serious issue to have somebody that may be senile voting on these things. The interesting thing to me is that they, you know, 
everybody talks about Biden's age, but not Trump's. Right. And Biden's in a lot better health than Trump. He's sure. much fitter than Trump. Trump is in very bad shape. <laughs> right. And Biden's in very good shape for somebody his age. But we're always talking about Biden's age. Right. They're about the same age. I was going to say they're like two years apart, maybe, yeah. something like that. Um, let's get on to aliens. First of all, just before we get to this, do you believe in the existence or the possible existence of aliens? Well, I believe in the possible existence of anything. I mean, possibility, let's... Okay, so we'll strip it away then. We'll go back to the original question. Do you believe that there are aliens? I don't... No, I don't believe that there are aliens. I have no information to ascertain whether the fact of whether there are aliens or not. It's an open question. So if you say you believe in aliens, then, you know, share the data that you have. Right. I think that, that given, you know, all the stars and all the systems that are out there, the probability that we are alone in the universe is unlikely, but I have, I have no information to engage in a discussion regarding it. Now, if I would have been to Area 51 and seen them, I'd be <laughs> talking about it, and I'd sound like I'm crazy man. But uh, to me, it's, it's just bring forward the proof and, you know, let's see it. Well, that's the issue with this testimony. So three former military officials told Congress last Wednesday a week ago that they believe the government knows much more about UFOs than it is telling the public. A House Oversight Subcommittee held a hearing on UFOs, officially known as Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, or UAPs, or switching from UFOs to UAPs. It's ridiculous. And heard mystifying testimony about unexplained object sightings and government possession of, quote, non-human biological matter. David Grush, a former U.S. intelligence official, told the panel that he is, quote, absolutely certain that the federal government is in possession of UAPs, citing interviews he said he conducted with 40 witnesses over a four-year period. Grush, who underscored that he has not personally spotted a UAP, told the panel that he knows of, quote, multiple colleagues who were injured by UAPs. He also said he has interviewed individuals who have recovered non-human biologics from crashed UAPs. Grush said he prefers to use the term non-human rather than alien or extraterrestrial. I don't know. It's just he's got all this evidence. Where is it? Well, that's the thing. There, He was asked several times to provide proof, basically, and he said that he would have to have that conversation in a skiff, so a secure area where they can do classified interviews. Yeah. I really don't believe this guy, to be quite honest. I, Jesse, my girlfriend, and I watched an interview. So after this came out, we were just kind of searching through, and News Nation did a, a piece on him, a full, like, hour-long thing, pretty much just talking to him. It was actually an Australian interviewer. And he just didn't, he didn't come across as being all that credible. His body language, there was a lot of holes in his story, and a lot of it was secondhand. It's not like he came to the interview or came to Congress with a piece right. <laughs> of this spaceship and said, this is from another galaxy. I we have a- aliens. I was actually expecting more of a result from this hearing that... If there was something there, we'd see it. So I'm just guessing there's nothing there. There are some conspiracies that I believe in. Not very many, but there's a few. But 
I just don't know if our government would be very good at covering up alien secrets. I don't think they'd be. I don't think it'd be just this one guy. (laughs) You know, if he's spoken to all these witnesses, why is he the only guy that's coming forward? Yeah, I don't know. The only thing is that if you think about some of the technologies, I'm just going to hypothesize this. What if, let's say that there was an alien technology that was some, let's say something simple like just fabric. That would never deteriorate. That you could wear a shirt for a thousand years. Just think how that would disrupt the garment industry, the clothing industry. I mean, just something as simple as fabric. And I could see where if there was some kind of a thing that they needed to hide, that they'd do a pretty good job of hiding it. Especially with respect to something that might impact the business world. Our economy. That may be true. I just think that the inherent, we do still live in a republic, a, de- a democracy, and I just don't think that the, when we hand power from one person to the next, at one point, somebody's going right. to give up the go. Absolutely. So, so this is something that could probably be hidden in China, for example, mm-hmm. because there may only be two guys for the, it's like the KFC recipe, where two guys know one guy dies and we get a new guy, you know, to right. tell the recipe. But I just don't think that that's possible in America. And we're gossipers by nature, too. Right. We, we, we want to be the person that says, I know that there's aliens. I have proof. Right. Just like Trump wants to share the, you know, the uh, attack plans for Iraq or Iran. Yeah. You know, he, want, you know, he wants to be the guy that is. Yeah, look at this. Here's what we were going to do. Has all this secret information. Yeah. And Trump is not alone. A lot of people would act the same way. Right. Probably us, too. I think so. If I had access to classified information, I'd be, yeah, oh God. I'm not, I'm not great at keeping secrets to be, I work in radio for God's sakes. I want to tell people everything. So yeah, I probably would not be the one that you would want to share classified information with. I tend not to share, I tend not to share, I share things that don't hurt anybody. If I share yeah, if something I have a, that would hurt somebody, I won't share that. Yeah, and a personal secret. I mean, if somebody yeah. says something that in confidence to me, I'm I'm very good at keeping those secrets. But yeah, when it's not going to hurt anybody, if I know the existence of aliens and it's only going to hurt, you know, computer companies or, I don't know, Saks Fifth Avenue, <laughs> I don't right. really care. Right. You'd want to show me this cool fabric. Exactly. Like, look at this. You'll never have to buy a shirt or shoes ever again. I could see you, once you had that, and let's just give you that technology, I could see you like the MyPillow guy on TV talking about my fabric. I would be. Yeah, space age technology. (laughs) Absolutely, (laughs) man. Uh, All right, anything else? That's kind of it. About aliens? Yeah, anything else about aliens or anything else that you got simmering below the surface? Oh, there's so much simmering. So, by the way, uh, I do have a bit of good news. I forgot to put this here, but yesterday was Gary Barda's last day as the athletic director at the University of Iowa. So, goodbye, Gary. So, that's a bit of good news. It'll be nice. It'll be even more fun when Kurt Ferentz is gone. Yeah. By the way, today is his birthday. August 1st is his birthday. He's 68 today, so he'll be 69 next year. Nice. Don't care. I know you don't. Okay, well, let's get on my top five then. Top five... Late night show hosts. Dead last always, my least favorite late night show host of all time is Jay Leno. Please tell me you don't like Jay Leno. I don't really care one way or another about Jay Leno. I, yeah, not, 
I don't really care. We'll get back to him a little bit later on, for obvious reasons. So we'll get into the top five now. So dead last, Jay Leno. Number five is Stephen Colbert. I think he's fantastic. Although I liked him better when he was just spoofing O'Reilly and doing the Colbert Report. I don't find him as funny doing the late night show on CBS. What I like about him is sometimes he makes me think in a different way. Yeah, That's he is definitely brilliant. Like. Yeah. yeah, and he's in my top five, so obviously I, I like yeah, him a lot and, and enjoy him, and he's he's brilliant, funny, and just seems like a nice guy. Number four is Chelsea Handler. Never. Heard you ever watch Chelsea? Oh, never heard of her. Okay. So no, she, that's not right. I've heard of her, but I've never. I never watched said, her show. Right. If you'd have said, "What does she do?" I'd probably said she's an actress or something. Nope. She hosted a show on E for a long time called Chelsea Lately. Uh, she's also just been sort of a late night figure for a long time. She's a comedian, also a very respected and beloved author. She's written several New York Times bestselling books, and she's hilarious. She's one of the funniest comedians. I think in recent history. I would say I'll have to check her out, except I won't. You don't have to. <laughs> I won't hold you to that. And I've never watched E. I haven't watched E for probably since I watched an episode of Chelsea lately, like 10 or 15 years ago. Number three is Conan O'Brien. I think he's a creep. He's creepy. Yeah. Yeah, Any no. specific reason? Just because of the way he looks it's, or it's, the way he acts? It's my creepo meter. Yeah. You know, you just get these feelings about people. You're a creep, Conan. Yeah. I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you. I mean, that's what I feel. I think that's part of his shtick, to be honest, is that he's yeah, kind of creepy. Yeah. His little, like, you know, dance that he does, like the little pirouette dance where he's got strings on his hips and he's doing a little dance. That's just creepy. Like, a lot of his, his show is creepy. The masturbating bear back on the... Late show that he did on NBC. I miss that. I miss you never that. saw the masturbating bear? No, thank God. Comedy gold. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even want to talk about it. All right, number two is John Stewart. I love John Stewart. I knew you'd like John Stewart. He's brilliant. He's brilliant. Still doing it. He's got an Apple TV show. Can't even remember what it's called. But of course, the Daily Show host for a long, long time. He wasn't the first Daily Show host, though. Do you know who the first Daily Show host was? No. Craig Kilborn. I remember that now. Yeah, he was really good. I, yeah, he was. He kind of disappeared. He he did... Uh, Some acting. He was in like old school for a while. He started out as a TV reporter, so he was a sports center anchor for a pretty long time and then wanted to get more into you know Hollywood and, and acting. He was in old school, had a great cameo in old school. He was the asshole boyfriend of uh, Luke Wilson's love interest in the movie. And I... I kind of thought that he was going to take off after that. And he's been in movies here and there, but he really didn't have the career that I thought, or certainly what he thought he would have. Yeah. He really should have just stayed on The Daily Show for because he was really good at it. Yeah. It was a way different show than what Jon Stewart turned it into, but he was really funny and had a really good way of interviews, too. He did, um, like, five questions was part of his interview, and he would just ask, like, odd questions of people. Just a different way of doing a late night show that he pioneered and Jon Stewart took it the extra mile. Number one, I think everybody knows, David Letterman. Yeah. What? Not I assumed guy. you would be a David Letterman guy. No, not really. So were you a Johnny Carson guy? Who's your favorite 
My favorite? Talk show host. Well, I'm going to say like Tom Snyder or some boring ass shit like that. Okay. Ted Koppel. You're going to say uh, Ted Koppel? Dick Cavett. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, some yeah. boring ass old guy. Yeah. I liked Arsenio Hall too. He was good. Yeah. But I, I just didn't watch him that much. I was a little bit too young by the time he was done with that show. So I didn't really watch it much when I was, you know, it was probably off the air by the time I was really even staying up until, you know. I liked his musical guests. Yeah, I liked I liked Carson too. And when Letterman came to me, it wasn't as good as Carson. Yeah, I was too young for Carson. That's you why he's not on my born. top five. I do sort of remember I was born. And I was probably, my guess is that was like mid-90s when he retired, I think, ish. I was probably... I think it was before that. Could have been. But I remember him retiring and that being a big deal. And then I was said I would get back to Jay Leno. One of the reasons why I dislike Jay Leno is because he, even though it may not have been his fault, it was perceived that he had taken away The Tonight Show from David Letterman. And me being a David Letterman fan, I didn't look too kindly on Jay Leno for swooping in there and taking away his job because Johnny Carson even if it was up to Johnny Carson which it wasn't but if it was up to him David Letterman would have taken over for him I remember that Johnny Carson even came on David Letterman's show and vice versa towards the end and it was it was not any secret that Johnny Carson was not all that happy that Jay Leno was taking over I remember that so do they have all do all of these people have sidekicks some of them do. I mean, well, obviously, most of them have a band leader or a sidekick. So Stephen Colbert, what was... I think he's actually has left the show now. John Baptiste was his mm-hmm. band leader for a long time. But didn't he leave the show to just get more into his music? I think so. Uh, Chelsea Handler, she... I don't think she really had a... Oh, yeah, she did have a sidekick. But I can't remember his name. Yeah, she had somebody that would just sit sort of by the studio audience. You need you know? a straight man. You do. Well, yeah, Conan or O'Brien had... Woman. Conan O'Brien had Andy Richter. David Letterman had Paul Schaefer, who's fantastic. Jon Stewart, though, didn't really have a, a straight man. He didn't have a sidekick. Not much of a budget at Com- Comedy Central. The rest of them are probably making a little bit more money. Yeah, but Jon Stewart's the best. And he didn't need a sidekick. No, he didn't. Plus, it was only a half-hour show, too, so... Don't need as much time to fill. Anybody else? Anybody else I'm missing? I think that's everybody. That's most of them. There's a few other ones from when I was a kid, very young. A guy named Joe Pine, who was a predecessor to Limbaugh. I mean, he was just a real... And he was just a real jerk. Treated his guests like dirt. Yeah. I mean, Joe Pine. He was just... I've never even heard of Joe Pine. Yeah, well, he was a pioneer. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah, he sort of gave the permission structure to Limbaugh and all those, some of those other conservative... Well, all the conservative people that, you know, are podcasters and stuff that are just true assholes. <laughs> yeah. Their godfather was Joe Pine, whether they know it or not. Fair enough. Next week is Top 5 State Nicknames. Sounds good. I think that'll be pretty interesting. You might know a few that I don't know of. Anything else to talk about today, Dr. Bob? We forgot one good news. Okay. I'm all ears. The economy. Biden 
economics, Bidenomics is working. Yeah. It's uh, salaries are up, greatest job growth in a long time, lots of investments in rural America, inflation down, stock market up, all kinds of things that they said were impossible to do that the Republicans are trying to make you think like uh, it's terrible economic conditions, but it's 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 remarkably good, yeah. our economy. It's the best economy, recovering better than any other economy in the world. It's by Joe far, Biden's. by yeah. far. Investing in infrastructure, investing in rural communities with rural broadband. Yeah, there is a lot of good news for the Democratic Party. Yep. Maybe not in Iowa right now, but it looks like nationwide that the Democrats are having a good time. Let the Republicans bicker amongst themselves and make ourselves stronger. Right. And just have to keep catching the, um, the Republicans in their lies where, like, for example, Ed Tibbetts, who, you know, over in eastern Iowa, laid out how Joni Ernst had complaining about, you know, things that Biden had done that were actually under the Trump administration. I, yep, I did see that. I almost put this on our agenda. I, in fact, I may have saved it. We might talk about that a little bit more next week because I saw it kind of late in the day and I was like, oh, well, we've already got enough stuff so, to talk about. good. The economy is roaring. It's doing very well. You're just not being told that. Except right here on the Iowa Revolution podcast. Drops every Wednesday morning. Make sure you subscribe to our Substack. We're Iowa Revolution on Substack. You can also listen on iHeart or Apple, Spotify. Make sure you're also subscribed to Dr. Bob's Deep Midwest Politics and Culture. And also Cedar Creek Nature Notes also is on Substack as well. So make sure you subscribe to both of those Dr. Bob Substacks. Dr. Bob, it's always a pleasure talking with you. We'll see you again next week. Thank you, Spence.